Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 184 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment or Advice, where we provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on everyday employment matters, employment tribunals, employment paperwork, and HR training. Now, this is my first episode back in just under a month, and I'm sorry that I wasn't able to bring you another episode in January. I had some time off, as I tend to do every January, and despite my best efforts, and plans to batch podcasts and get things done in advance. It didn't happen once again. Unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, I do run a busy law firm. I have colleagues who depend on me, clients, and also I have a small family with three children. So the build up to Christmas and everything else means that unfortunately, I didn't get it out in time. Um, but I am back and I'm back on schedule, hopefully bringing you episodes every fortnight, probably until the next holiday or major life event. But fingers crossed, I'll be with you every fortnight, bringing you all the news and updates on employment law. Now, in this episode, I'm going to bring you a bit of a case review in relation to redundancy and a reminder about unfair dismissal and process. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. As I was saying, in this week's episode, I'm going to be doing a bit of a case review and a bit of a reminder about the basics in relation to unfair dismissal and redundancy. And the case I'm going to be talking about is... Gwened Council, hopefully I've said that right, and Shirley Barrett and Ion Hughes. Shirley Barrett and Ion Hughes are the employees and Gwened Council is the employer. And this is a court of appeal case where the hearing took place in July last year and the judgment was published at the back end of last year. Now, by way of a quick reminder, In order to fairly dismiss an employee and to prevent a claim for unfair dismissal, you have to have one of five potentially fair reasons for dismissing that employee, one of which is redundancy. And probably one of the most commonly known is redundancy as a fair reason for dismissal. Now, it starts off as being a potentially fair reason for dismissal. And then the employer has to show that it was a true redundancy and also that they followed a fair and reasonable procedure in reaching the decision to terminate that employee's employment by reason of redundancy. In an unfair dismissal case, the burden of proof is on the employer to show the reason for dismissal and that they followed a fair and reasonable process. We have covered off redundancy and the redundancy process in previous episodes, and I'll put a link to those in the show notes. So if you want more information about a full redundancy dismissal process, then you can find all the details in that mini series. Now, in this case, the facts are that the two employees were employed as PE teachers at a secondary school. And in May 2015, 
Gwened Council announced that they were going to be closing the school in August 2017 and it was going to be replaced with a new school which provided both primary and secondary education. All the staff were told that they could apply to work at the new school and that any people that were unsuccessful would be made redundant. Now the two employees in this case applied for roles at the new school along with the majority of the other teachers and whilst many were successful in their applications Miss Barrett and Mr Hughes were not successful and their employment was terminated by reason of redundancy on the 31st of August 2017 when the old school closed. They subsequently made a claim for unfair dismissal on a number of grounds including in relation to the council's procedure in how they dealt with the redundancy process, the consultation and selection and notably that they didn't offer them the opportunity to appeal against the decision to make them redundant. In the course of the employment tribunal proceedings, it was accepted by both parties that the employees had been dismissed by reason of redundancy. So that wasn't in dispute. What was in dispute was in relation to the process that had been followed. Despite this, the employment judge did express that he had doubts about whether it was a true redundancy situation or not, because effectively the teachers' jobs were still there and they had in fact been replaced by others. But despite this, it wasn't in consideration as to whether it was a true redundancy situation because it had been accepted by both parties that it was. So the judge then was looking at the procedure that was followed and whether it was fair to dismiss in the circumstances that had arisen. The judge did find that the employees had been unfairly dismissed in relation to the process that had been followed and it was noted in the judgment that the employers had failed to consult or have any effective consultation with the employees that were impacted and that there wasn't a effective consultation in relation to the selection criteria that was used and it was noted that the employer had chosen to recruit people from outside to fulfill vacancies whilst also making existing staff redundant. The judge also considered the employer's decision to deny the employees the right of appeal in relation to their dismissal and it was noted in the judgment Quite interestingly, it reads, the right to appeal any dismissal is now so ingrained in employment practices that it is rare that an employee would be dismissed without being given the right of appeal. Such a right has virtually become second nature for all but the most cavalier employer. He then went on to say in relation to this particular case that at the very least the employer denied the claimants their statutory and contractual entitlements on a fundamentally important issue at a crucial time. The injury was significant as an appeal is a fundamental part of a dismissal process. It affords the employer another opportunity to look at the dismissal and, as articulated in a previous case, it offers the employees the opportunity to show that the employer's reason for dismissing them cannot be treated as reasonable. An appeal is ingrained in principles of natural justice And although I do not say that the absence of an appeal would render every dismissal unfair, 
I do determine that it requires truly exceptional circumstances to refuse an employee the right to appeal against their dismissal. Such exceptional circumstances do not exist in this case, particularly where the claimants have a statutory and contractual right of appeal. It was substantively and procedurally unfair to deny the claimants, in the case, their right of appeal. Furthermore, no reasonable employer would refuse to consider an appeal in circumstances where an employee had a clear right of appeal. In the remainder of the judgment, the judge was quite scathing over how the employer had handled this situation, making reference to the fact that they had essentially threatened employees with dismissal and forced them to reapply, that they hadn't really followed a fair consultation process and obviously as you heard they didn't offer them the opportunity or the right to appeal. Unsurprisingly the judge in this case ruled that the employees had been unfairly dismissed as a result of the employer's failures in their procedure. Not because it wasn't a redundancy situation as I said before but rather their handling of the decision to make these individuals redundant. The council subsequently appealed to the Employment Appeal Tribunal. Their appeal to the Employment Appeal Tribunal was unsuccessful and the decision that they had unfairly dismissed the employees remained. And that brings us to the Court of Appeal case where the court examined the judge's decision in relation to the procedure that was followed and notably in relation to the decision which referred to the lack of appeal process. Now the council were seeking to rely in their appeal on the fact that the judge had made reference to truly exceptional circumstances to refuse an employee the right to appeal against their dismissal. And what the Court of Appeal said was, well actually the judge in this case, and as confirmed by the Employment Appeal Tribunal, wasn't saying that the failure to allow an appeal would automatically make the dismissal unfair, but rather it was one of a number of factors that would be taken into consideration in relation to a finding as to whether a fair process had been followed. And the Court of Appeal agreed with what the EAT, the Employment Appeal Tribunal, had said on this point, which was, in our judgment, a fair reading of the whole judgment reveals that Notwithstanding that reference to truly exceptional circumstances, the tribunal did not in fact approach the question of fairness as if the absence of an appeal automatically or almost invariably rendered the dismissal unfair. At paragraph 36 of the reasons, the tribunal expressly stated that it does not say that the absence of an appeal would render every dismissal unfair. The tribunal was not, therefore, applying a general rule that absent an appeal, a dismissal would be unfair. Furthermore, at the end of paragraph 36, the tribunal concludes that it was substantively and procedurally unfair to deny the claimants their right of appeal and that no reasonable employer would refuse to consider an appeal in circumstances where an employee had a clear right of appeal. Those passages demonstrate that the tribunal was applying a test of fairness and was considering whether the employer's approach in this case fell within the band of reasonable responses. It is also relevant to note that the tribunal was concerned not just with the absence of an appeal, but the absence of any opportunity to grieve or be consulted about the dismissals. So what 
the Employment Appeal Tribunal was saying and what the Court of Appeal agreed with was that the absence of an appeal process was just one of the things that was on the mind of the judge when he reached the decision in the first instance case that it was an unfair dismissal. The council had been focusing on this point around the appeal process and saying, well, it can't possibly have been right for the judge to have reached that conclusion based merely on the fact that they didn't have an appeal. And the Court of Appeal said, yes, you were right. If it was the case that the judge had only been referring to the lack of appeal as the reason for making the finding of unfair dismissal, but in fact, the judge wasn't, there were other factors around the process that was followed and the lack of consultation, which is why the judge at first instance decided it was unfair. So the outcome was the council were unsuccessful with their appeal against the decision that they had unfairly dismissed the two employees and therefore the decision remains and the issue in relation to what is known as the Polkey case would be dealt with at the liability hearing, so in relation to determining compensation. Now, the Polkey case is a case which basically set out from a House of Lords case in 1988 that even if a fair procedure wasn't followed, if the outcome would have been the same, then the employee's compensation for unfair dismissal should be reduced accordingly. So in this case, as we've just heard, the Employment Tribunal, Employment Appeal Tribunal and Court of Appeal all agreed that the employees had been unfairly dismissed because of a a lack of fair process and consultation. And therefore, at the liability hearing, so in relation to compensation, the Employment Tribunal would need to consider the issue of a pokey deduction. So had a fair process been followed, would the outcome have been the same? And if the answer to that is yes, or there's a percentage chance that it would, then they will reduce the employee's compensation accordingly. What I find most interesting about this case is that there was a fairly detailed analysis in relation to the process that employers should follow in relation to a fair redundancy dismissal. And that doesn't come up very often, um, I have to say. But in this case, it was made clear by the Court of Appeal that actually the mere fact of not having an appeal process doesn't necessarily mean that the dismissal will be unfair or automatically unfair and that there will be a range of factors to take into consideration. Now, that's not to say that I would advise you to forgo an appeal process, taking into consideration this case, thinking that you're safe, that actually just that on its own won't render it unfair. But it is part of a process that you need to follow. So I would recommend strongly, um, as illustrated by this case, that you do offer employees the opportunity to appeal in the majority of situations where you might be dismissing someone. Now, I think, again, it was short-sighted on the employer's part not to offer that opportunity because, in all honesty, it doesn't actually take that much time or effort to arrange an appeal hearing and it would have ticked a box. Now, it wouldn't, in this case, have meant that they could get round their decision being unfair because, obviously, there were failures before it got to the appeal process. But there are situations in which 
an appropriate appeal process can actually remedy previous failures in the procedure that has been followed. So as identified by the judge at first instance here, an appeal process is a fundamental part of the dismissal process. It gives them an opportunity to look again at the situation and for employees an opportunity to show why they shouldn't have been dismissed and why it's not reasonable to dismiss them. Hopefully that's helpful and I will put a link in the show notes to the case so you can read the full judgment if you wish to. But of course, if you have any questions about redundancy, redundancy appeals or any kind of process or unfair dismissal issues, then don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd be happy to have a chat with you or one of my colleagues. You can contact us directly on our head office number, which is 01983 897 or you can email me alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. Before I sign off, I just want a quick note. I am looking to employ an experienced employment solicitor to work with us at the Real Employment or Advice team. We're looking for someone based anywhere in England and Wales. It is a home working role and we're currently recruiting. So if you know of anyone who might be looking for a new opportunity to to join an exciting and supportive team, then do pass on my details or please get in touch directly. Again, my email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening. I hope that you have a fantastic week ahead and I look forward to bringing you the podcast again in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.